Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by James Lindgren, Executive Director of Revenue Cycle Systems Optimization at University of Miami Health. James, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here, Laura. Now, I'm looking forward to our discussion because I know that the revenue cycle is such an important area of any organization, but especially for hospitals and health systems. And there's a lot changing around the revenue cycle right now, some very exciting things happening. So I'm looking forward to our discussion. But before we dive into my questions, I was wondering, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been at the University of Miami for about a year and a half now, um, came down in October of 2021. But um, in this role that I'm in today, sort of building a team of architects that works collaboratively between operations and IT um, to develop solutions, whether it's core revenue cycle or some of the ancillary administrative things that surround revenue cycle. Um, before coming to the Miami, I did work for Epic Systems, um, large EMR in the, in the healthcare space in Verona, Wisconsin. I um, had the privilege of working with a lot of health systems um, throughout my time there, understanding various revenue cycle demands and re revenue cycle needs. Um, before making the jump over to Miami. Amazing. Wow, that's awesome to hear. And definitely from your time at Epic, you know, I know that's a huge organization. And like you mentioned, I'm sure you connected with and touched on lots of different health systems. Was there anything that you consistently saw um, with the systems that were, you know, kind of the top performing ones or those that were really able to adopt the technology and, and move forward in the swiftest fashion? It sounds cheesy sometimes, but the the honest answer is those that truly put the patient at first. Uh, and I mean that in the sense that while obviously financials matter, while obviously everything around a health system is important, those that made their decisions and drove every single aspect of their business around the patient's experience, both medically from an administrative perspective, from a financial revenue cycle, statements, claims, and billing perspective, if they use that as their true north, those are the groups that are consistently in the news of, of being outstanding adopters of technology, outstanding industry leaders in other all aspects that, that seem to really be the common thread because it allowed them to be, it allowed them, it opened them up and allowed them to be more focused on questions around, you know, what's best for the business through the lens of what's best for the patient. And if they focus on what's best for the patient, the business comes. Um, and, and I'd say that's probably the most common theme is, is, is making sure that the patient part was the, the very forefront of their, of their decision-making, both at the clinic, clinical and clinician level, all the way through the, the business and the administrative function. That's such a great point. Thank you so much for pointing that out, James. Now, what are some of the opportunities that you're seeing from your vantage point at University of Miami Health, as well as the headwinds that you have your eye on? So the University of Miami, and, and not unlike other academic medical centers all across the United States, we pride ourselves on being having the best faculty. And, and I think when I worked at Epic, a lot of people said that, and I think Miami means it, and they have the data to support it. Um, in terms of at the forefront of it is how do we empower our faculty, our, our physicians and our providers to do what they do best. Um, so the opportunities we have in front of us is how to make their job more efficient 
in what their core mission is. Their core mission is caring for patients. The core mission is designing and developing in new research studies to find new treatments and new diagnoses methodologies. Um, and if we're not doing everything we can in the, from a revenue cycle perspective and from an IT perspective, then we're not doing our jobs. So the opportunities are to find ways to make what they do more efficient. So I see AI as a huge opportunity for physician efficiency and physician development. I see automation in coding um, and automation of understanding what the physician's documentation are. I think you look back over the last 20 years, the, the driver of clinical documentation wasn't necessarily medical necessity. It was billing um, and billing requirements and, and, and billing obligations to in whether that's insurance audits or insurance payments and insurance reimbursement. And as we move to a more AI-driven or automation-driven world, we can infer and drive the conversation to the right place and empower the physicians to say what they want to say, say what they need to say to speak to their peers, the, the doctors they're referring to, the pathologists they're sending lab, labs to, the patient who's trying to understand and, and deal through this treatment plan or various diagnosis or core morbid conditions that they have. The, the physician... At the, at the fundamental core of what they do is to translate what's happening into an actionable next step. And I think through AI and through automation, we can make it easier for them to document, charge, um, and prove the level of medical necessity to meet the requirements that we have for charging and doing those various other things. And I think the headwind in that is the industry is moving there fast, right? We're seeing massive developments um, both from Epic, but also all many other tech companies and other health systems like University of Miami who are innovating in this space. And so it's actually the type of work that gets me most excited because um, it truly has an opportunity to benefit without getting in the way. Um, I think the next big category, if you think of, if you think maybe go more broad outside of just providers and think about how do we make sure their, their schedules are as full as possible um, in a way that is meets the expectations of their contract and their clinic panel. So we obviously don't want to overburden providers with more than what they're expected and are capable of doing. So I'm not saying go to five minute slots or something that's unattainable and un non-feasible. We're not trying to work like a factory here, but patients no-show for reasons we can predict, um, patients late cancel for reasons we can predict and intervene against, um, and provider time might not always be optimally used. Um, both in a clinic, in a hospital, in a research setting. So thinking about how can technology inform operational decisions. Um, and so that's one of the big opportunities we have is leveraging these, you know, you know, machine learning and natural language model processes to understand where the opportunities are both for documentation, but also just using time that the providers are giving us most efficiently and effectively. I love that. I think it makes a lot of sense, you know, and it's really forward looking in, in terms of how the technology can boost the providers, make them happier, make the organization more efficient, and certainly get to a space where you're smartly um, connecting with patients and, and doing what needs to be done to deliver that care. So I think that is such a great example and really dovetails into my next question and looking at revenue cycle obviously is important for the entire organization as a foundation for it. Um, but as you're thinking about growth and development in the future, how uh, are you I guess, how are you adding value to the health system and, and what does that really look like? That's great. So the from a true finance perspective, my finance hat on, there's two ways to grow a business. Grow revenues or reduce costs. And we're focusing on both. 
very aggressively. The University of Miami is making substantial investments in our community in terms of additional facilities. We have a lot of, we have three major construction projects in flight right now that are deploying new state-of-the-art facilities to various communities within the Miami-Dade Broward County area. Because at the end of the day, in order to grow, you have to physically grow. You have to hire more faculty, create new positions, create new state-of-the-art facilities that have both research capabilities as well as patient care um, facilities to see patients across all the spectrums of all of our service lines because we're you know, a fully diversified academic medical center. So when I think about growth, I think about making sure that we can do those investments and do those investments smartly. Um, that means making sure we have the margin to purchase and pay for the construction, but also we have the technology that allows us to be innovative in the way that those clinics are being built. So we're not just building another 1980s hospital, we're building something that would be appropriate and we'd be proud of in the, in the 2040s or 2050s. I think the way that we help with that and the way that my team focuses on this is how do we do more with less then? Um, so as we scale up and add more visits per day, add more providers on in our clinics, how do we make sure we're doing that in a way that empowers the patient to schedule themselves, to register themselves, to reach out and get a hold of someone when they have a question and get to the right place most efficiently? And that's all focused primarily on the revenue side. And a, and a lot of those things, I'll admit, they drive cost, right? We do. We have to pay for the technology. We have to pay for the faculty. We have to pay for the construction. Um, and so it's important that we're also having, we're focusing on the other side of that equation, which is cost. Um, and that's the, the work that we do, the, the relationships we have with vendors, um, whether that's when, how we process statements or how we process insurance verifications or authorizations, if that we're being strategic about are we leveraging all the technology we should and are we getting all everything we could out of it? Um, a good example is Epic comes out with new technology, new code sets every quarter. Um, something that is, is hard for a health system to keep up with at our scale, but we, we've put a lot of energy into making sure that every time Epic says, hey, University of Miami and all their other customers, look at this new programming that we developed or this new workflow or this new content that we're putting out, use it. Um, and we find ourselves, if, if health systems don't focus on that and make sure that's a core priority is keeping up to date with your, with your software updates, so to say, that you then are not taking advantage of the licensing costs you're spending money on. So it's a big focus. So it's not, a, it's making sure we're not duplicating our costs, focus, buying things more than once that do the same outcome and, outcome and function. Um, and then making sure that for everything that we're doing, we're appropriately incurring the right cost and not over, not too many costs that we shouldn't be incurring in overall in the first place. I think the combination of those two things, the, you know, making sure that we're actively growing and growing at the rate that we need to, we're keeping our costs controlled and then also finding places to reduce cost. That's where my team, that's how we think of where our value is to the organization. Um, because at the end of the day, you can, keep, you can keep adding more people, you can keep dropping more charges, but if you're not doing it within the realm of what is needed, you're doing something because of something of a workflow you did 20, 30 years ago, you're gonna fall behind and your cost curve is gonna catch up with your revenue curve. Um, and you're gonna, you're, you're, it's gonna happen before you realize it, and before you know it, you're gonna be losing millions, if not billions, of dollars a year, which we see in the press all the time with these massive health systems all over the U.S. that are, you know, for many, many quarters, not just because of COVID, but even post-COVID, were reporting massive operating losses, is because they really struggled to control cost while while also pushing various levels of of revenue growth. I think 
the last thing that I would note on this topic is there's always opportunity in your existing. We call this your same store. So the existing faculty with the existing clinic time, with the existing OR time, with the existing inpatient beds, we find that we're not always utilizing those resources to the highest potential. So a lot of our projects are actually just analytics in nature. It's helping develop reports that aren't just numbers on a page, but are are you know graphical representations that provide a directional recommendation for what the business can do. A good example, we recently had a project where we started monitoring more discreetly all of our outpatient ambulatory rooms. Um, when were patients being put in them? When were they being removed? When were providers and nurses entering them? And how effectively were we using that real estate? Because as we add more faculty, we can't all of a sudden add a bunch of more rooms unless we build a new building. Um, and we found that we had a bunch of, of our satellite locations that were operating at like 70, 80% utilized. Um, and we were able to use the data to find out where was the time not being used um, and then suggest that maybe that's where we put the new faculty member or maybe we could adjust some sessions or some panels around to be a, uh, to be aligned in a model that is more conducive to the real estate that we have. Just one example of, of a project that we've done that doesn't it's not changing the revenues, it's not changing the costs, but it's providing insights into the, the how we're using the things that, that we have at our disposal, whether that's real estate, OR time, um, you know, advanced practitioner time, physician time, et cetera, is a you know, big analytical focus for my team to, to drive growth at the organization. Absolutely. I love that. I think that makes a lot of sense and definitely great examples of areas and spaces where it really is helpful for the organization to make sure that, you know, as you mentioned, the revenue's in a good spot, their costs are controlled, they're set up for the future and success once, you know, you're able to do that. And along those lines, you know, I, I know as you have been talking about, a lot of the hospitals and health systems are in a, a more financially challenging spot than they were a few years ago, especially before the pandemic, but it's still so critical and crucial to make sure you set yourself up to be successful in the future for growth and development, et cetera. So from your perspective, where do you see is one area that's still really important to make investments in this coming year? The, the first one is people. Um, I think the you can't build greatness without greatness, right? You need people that have experience, passion, and a desire to be involved in the mission of the business. So, and that means, you know, evaluating are people in the right positions that they're currently in? Are there people that aren't here that we need to bring here? And that's hard because it's a, it's ultimately just a game of, of, of good, good challenging recruiting. I think there's a recruiter here that I talk to on a regular basis I, as I find, you know, great talent for my teams. And they said to me, and I'm sure they're quoting someone else, so I don't know the appropriate original quotation on this, is that the best people aren't looking. Um, so the most talented employees that you could have, the most gifted, creative, um, urgent individual who can help drive innovation, whether it's clinical or IT or business administration, most of them aren't looking for jobs right? They're in a job. They're doing outstanding work. They're crushing it, right? They're doing something, adding a ton of value at another organization. And in order to recruit, you can't always go to the, 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 the places that you think of when you think of recruiting. We can't just post on LinkedIn. We can't just post on Indeed or post on our in workday for a job posting. You'll, you'll absolutely find great people doing that. I'm not saying that no one great is looking, but a lot of the people that you want 
are in a stable job that they like, and you have to find a way to convince them that your mission is worth them leaving and fighting for. So that's that, that's one. And I'm going to cheat and add another one um, because I can, I guess, since we've got the time. Um, is that the the other big I think place that I think it's worth taking a risk on is pushing the envelope on AI, right? And I think it's easy to sit and wait for some tech company with a bunch of venture capital funding to come around and offer you this product at 50% margin that adds value to the business. That's easy. That's lazy, I would almost say. And I don't mean that to say there's no good products out there, but that's 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 the that's the reactionary approach as a business or as an innovative as an innovative company. What a company who's innovative should be doing is get out in front of this and play with the technology. Go invest in ChatGPT private for healthcare. Go invest in, you know, Amelia AI for conversational SMS and voice conversations. Go invest in. Um, Microsoft facial recognition API. So I go find something that even though there might be a big sticker price for what it's going to do, invest in it, bring it in and challenge the heck out of it, right? Rip it apart, put it back together and build something that can help disrupt the way you do the business today. Um, because the worst thing, the worst you could do is that you install a product that works somewhere else, right? And you, you help build your portfolio of tools to help empower users. That's the worst thing that could happen. The best thing that could happen, or probably the most likely thing, is you're going to disrupt so many workflows and so many things that you do in, your health, in the health system to help improve the patient experience, improve the bottom line, increase utilization for providers, do all these things that we've talked throughout this podcast about um, in terms of you know, innovating and disrupting the way that business is done in healthcare. But the only way health systems can do that is if they take a risk and invest in those technologies and invest in the base technology. Don't invest in the most shiny thing over here that has the prettiest sales pitch deck. Invest in the best brain and the best tech stack that you can get your hands on and then play with it, invest in it and spend the time that you need to spend to make it work for you. And it'll pay dividends down the road. Those are, those are things I think it's worth taking a risk on because you're, you're, you're going to make your ROI. It might not be right away, um, but as long as you believe in the product, you believe in the technology, it's going to pay dividends. And then to my first point, if you've got really smart people working for you, people that are motivated by the mission, motivated to, to do good, motivated to care about the patient first, you're going to make magical things happen um, in terms of innovation, innovation growth, reducing costs, improving the patient experience, all the things that, that those fancy pitch decks that you got from the venture firm show you, you're going to do that yourself. You're going to do that with your team, with your technology, with your partners that care about you, um, rather than just being another line item in someone else's P&L. I love that. That's such an amazing way to look at it and think about it. And I can imagine, you know, it's uh, easier said than done, but certainly it makes a lot of uh, um, a lot of sense for hospitals and health systems. And, you know, when you have your internal team set and in place, how do you empower them and embolden them to do some of these exciting, the fancy things that you're talking about? Freedom. I give them freedom, right? And I, and that's because I'm given freedom. I'm, I don't, you know, my boss and my leadership team gives me the ability to go kind of take risks and, and tackle projects that I think are going to help us. 
and partner with operations and convince them of the value. They, they, they trust me in doing that. And I do the same thing for my team. Um, I have a good example. I have this patient flow architect who I recruited out of a happy job. I went and called him and I said, I want you down here in Miami. After some negotiation, I convinced him to move down to the, the beautiful, the beautiful South Florida. And he's not, he's not turned back or regretted it. But I said to him when he first came here, I'm not just going to assign you tickets. I'm not just going to assign you a PM and assign you a project and tell you to go do it. I'm going to introduce you to people that matter here. I'm going to introduce you to our CEO of the hospital. I'm going to introduce you to the head of patient movement. I'm going to introduce you to the head of patient safety and, and public safety. And I want you to work with them and figure out what they need. I, I think I know what they want. They've talked to me about it before. And here's some starter points to start preparing. I, you know, I don't leave them stranded off in the world, but I used to sort of say, I'm going to let you go figure out what you want to do and come back to me and let me know. And then we'll workshop it together. Then in our one-on-ones that we have every week, they bring in ideas. We workshop them. Some of them die. Some of them evolve. Some of them get put on the table for later. Um, but I sort of, I, you know, like I said, I, I'm trying to find these geniuses, these unicorns out in the industry, bring them to University of Miami, the exciting place to work, and then give them freedom to do what they do best which is think creatively, develop. And then I sit there, I sit in my seat and one, help workshop with them. Hopefully if I can even keep up with their speed of, of work um, and then help bring down barriers, whether that's an IT barrier, whether that's a decision-making barrier, operational barrier, a technical, whatever the thing is, the, the thing that could potential, potentially roadblock a project like this. Um, and then I intervene to help with that type of stuff to keep them out of the messiness of some of that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people listening experience that in their own in their own in, in their own industry or in their own health systems, um, and and I try to tackle that for my team because it can be really easy for them to get these really creative minds to get bogged down in politics or bogged down in process. And I see my role as their leader to help push through some of that and help them just do what they do best, which is you know create creative ideas um, and get them deployed as fast as possible. I love that. Thank you so much for going through everything there. And, and just, you know, what a, a fabulous system you have set up. It sounds like an amazing um, department and organization to work for. Now, before we wrap up, I wanted to get your thoughts on growth and development. Where do you see some of the best opportunities for yourself as well as the teams that you work with? It's a good question. I think about this a lot. And fortunately, I have a boss who, who uh, asked me that question on a regular basis because he sees the vision He's, he has his own vision and I have mine and we try to find places to align them together. I think the best opportunities that I have, we have um, is to continue to go down this path of painful automation. I think we've gotten to a point where we are playing off of, we've already taken the low hanging fruit. It was delicious. It got, it had great outcomes. We, you know, we baked an amazing apple pie with the low hanging fruit, but now we got to get the stuff that's a little bit higher up and a little bit harder to operationalize, a little bit harder to change. It infects more users, affects more maybe, you know, technology debt that we have to take, that we have to deal with in terms of bloat or things that need to be cleaned up. So the biggest opportunity is building a stronger foundation um, and, and finding a way to not only think about the really cool things out there like AI, but use that type of project to find things in your foundation that are cracking. Um, and maybe not, I don't, I don't, maybe not, there's no structural integrity issue, but, or hopefully there isn't, but if there is obviously deal with that first, but if there isn't, it's doing the preventative maintenance you need to do, um, to ensure that that building continues to stay strong and you can add more floors, 
add more, diversify your team and, and do overall bigger opportunities. And I, I think of the things that my architects are focused on and our team is working on and the things that constantly hold them up. Um, and it's, it's, it's some of the debt in terms of historical decisions that were made that need to be revisited. And that's not easy work. I mean, that's time intensive. It's selling the idea to the business owners. It's convincing them that it's worth the risk of changing. It's helping them understand the opportunity. Um, and I think the biggest, the best, biggest, best opportunity for growth that I see for us is to continue to do more, right? Find more areas to tackle within the business, partnering with operations to, to help them deliver faster. So I think for all the, you know, for all the greatness that I think I have on my team in terms of the great people that I, that surround me, um, there's equally, if not more talent in the business that's being maybe held back by current policy or current procedure or current decisions. I mean, like any health system, it's every once in a while, I got to open up that policy and say, is that the right one? Is it need to be redone, re revisited, reoriented to, to better orient to the new technology we have or just the new ecosystem? I think a good example of this in my mind is a lot of workflows got quickly developed around COVID. Arrivals into clinics, the ways that the ways that patients were screened before surgery. We had to really quickly as an industry figure out how to deal with this, you know, this pandemic that came upon and came back multiple times to haunt us. And now we have to sit here and say, how do we continue to drive us, you know, prioritize the safety of our employees and the safety of our patients, while also innovating and being more creative around how we how we can adjust our workflows, not necessarily to a pre-pandemic state, but to a new state in terms of what do we want our arrival to look like? How do we want to leverage kiosks or or digital front door type experiences now that we have, can rethink because we have different things that are pressuring us because it's not that not everything shut down because of the original, you know, the COVID pandemic errors that we that we saw across the community. So that's what, that's kind of what I would mention is just the, the opportunity is to do more by, you know, focusing on the foundation, developing more core functions, making sure those are running efficiently, and then intentionally build on that with, with additional areas of focus and rethinking the way that you know, workflows or processes or policies are, are employed. Fantastic. James, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and insightful conversation, and I'm looking forward to meeting you in person as well at our Health IT Digital Health and Revenue Cycle event in October. I know we'll definitely be continuing the conversation, and it'll be fun to see you there. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the time. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.